Welcome to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Mauli Chikata, lead pastor at Grace Center. For more information about this message and our church, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244 right, so as it is, we are continuing our series on the book of Colossians. Amen. Um, we are doing a verse-by-verse study of the book of Colossians. And we are in the verse 24. Last week we started from the verse 24 through to the verse 29. We couldn't finish last week. But I pray that today we'll finish the chapter 1 of Colossians. Amen. Amen. And we've been talking about the stewardship from God. Stewardship from God. Stewardship from God. And we have established the fact that we are called into stewardship. And a steward is somebody who manages the affairs of his master. He's not the owner. He's just an overseer. He's somebody who is looking after something that has been given to him. And God has called us as Christians To be stewards, stewards of the mysteries that Christ has revealed to us through his apostles. So we established last week that we are are stewards of the mysteries of God. And we looked at four areas of the stewardship of God, being stewards of the mysteries of God. We said that we're looking at the purpose of stewardship. We looked at the present need, sorry. The first thing we did was to look at the present need for stewardship. And then we looked at the purpose of stewardship. And the two areas that we are going to continue with is the price for stewardship and the product of stewardship. So four areas of stewardship that we are looking at. The the present need of stewardship, the purpose of stewardship, and then the the product of stewardship and the price for stewardship. So last week we looked at the present need for stewardship. We said there's a need for stewardship because the scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 1 from the verse 24 that the mystery has been hidden. There's a mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. And because the mystery is hidden, that scripture is telling us that generations are walking in ignorance. We looked at the fact that the generations that are perishing. We also established the fact that generations are walking in unbelief. In unbelief. And it, and, and it is a reality that people are walking in ignorance, are perishing, and are walking in unbelief. And that is why God has called us as stewards, as people, to oversee his mysteries. And we established that there is the purpose for stewardship. Number one, we said that to make known the counsel of God. To make known the counsel of God. Number two, to reveal the hidden mysteries. And number three, to proclaim Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we said that as believers, when you are in Christ Jesus, that mystery is no longer hidden. So anybody who tells you that there is a hidden mystery, as a Christian, is leading you into what Paul was trying to address with the church in Colossae. 
that there is no longer any hidden mystery. And he said that the mystery which is now what? Revealed. The mystery which is now revealed in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. It says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now the mystery is known. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is known. So it's no longer a mystery. Something which is known does not remain a mystery. If it is not known, then it is a mystery. Hallelujah. You don't know what is in this bottle. But if I tell you and I pour it out and you know that it is water, it is no longer a mystery. It is known. So he said that the mystery is that Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what is the mystery? The mystery is that Christ settles in us. That was, that, that's a mystery, that Christ can live in us. And because Christ lives in us, we have hope of glory. And we, talk, and we started by saying that in, 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 in the church in Colossae, one of the things that, that was, was prevailing at the time was this whole thing about mysteries, some hidden truth, hidden knowledge that makes people look powerful. And is it in our world today? The answer is yes. There are people who present themselves as people who have some high kind of knowledge, some special kind of knowledge. But in Christ, there's no special knowledge. The knowledge we need and the knowledge that has been revealed to us is that Christ lives in us. And when Christ lives in us, there is hope of glory. There's no mystery. The mystery is the word of God which has been revealed to us. So the word of God, the word of God, the Bible that you are holding in your hands is revealed mystery. It's revealed knowledge. There's, there's nothing hidden again in the scriptures. It is what you are holding is revealed. The Bible says that for, for the scripture is the breath of God. Is the breath of God. Is God speaking to us. God has spoken to us. If God wanted to hide anything from us, he would not speak to us. That's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, it says God, who in diverse ways and at various times spoke to our fathers through the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us through his son. God has spoken to us. So Jesus is the revelation of God to us. And that revelation of Jesus is that he lives in us. And when he lives in us, we have hope of glory. The hope of glory is that we have hope of eternal life. That's why Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he was a mystery to people. So he says, some say you are John. Others say you are Elijah. Some say you are the prophet who is to come. Then he said, who do you say that I am? Then Peter raised his son. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he says, it's a flesh and blood. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You see, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So God, through Peter, revealed that Jesus was the son of God. So, when you know that Jesus is the son of God, Jesus no longer becomes a mystery for you. Do you understand? 
So Christianity is not a faith that has some hidden something that you must do some things to know. Christianity is a revealed faith. It's the most open faith. We are the most open group of people. Everything you want to know about us is written in the scriptures. In some other religions, you need to go and see a guru. The guru is the one with all the knowledge. You have to go and see some malam who has some special kind of knowledge. But when it comes to our faith, there is no mystery. There's no mystery about prayer. Everything God wants us to pray about and God wants to show us about prayer is in the Bible. Everything God wants us to do as a people of faith is in the Bible. What he does not want us to do is in the Bible. Whatever he says, even how we gather, how we worship, how we treat one another is revealed. You don't need to go to anybody. All you need is an understanding of what has been written. And so he tells them that the mystery now is revealed. There is no mystery anywhere. And, and, and today many people come to church looking for mysteries. You see? So what is simple, we mystify it. No wonder Paul says that we should not move away from the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our work with God is a simple work. It's not a complex work. Praise the Lord. And that's why people today, what is simple, we try to make it mysterious. So if we say that we are revealing seven mysteries of prayer, people will be excited. Seven mysteries of giving, people will be excited. And, see, and so people go and look for all kinds of things. And actually, last week, somebody sent me a video of a man of God who was saying that there is a grace upon his life. And for that grace to be able to bless the people, they must give so that whatever grace is upon his life, God will use it to bless the people. See, and these are the things we like. You see, they make it look mysterious for us, and we, we are attracted to it. But there's nothing like a grace upon your life that when we give to you, that grace will fall on you. That's, that's nothing like that. I say, oh, pastor, I like the way you preach. I like the way you teach. I like the way you pray. I want to give so that that grace will come upon me. There's nothing like that in Christianity. One time somebody tried it. And he was rebuked. Peter said, your money perish with you. He saw the miracles they were doing. So he went to give money so that the, the grace. He said, hey, I see you lay hands and people are healed. People are speaking in tongues. Let me also give. In Acts chapter 8, it was called Simon the Sorcerer. And when he did it, Peter rebuked him and said, Your money perish with you. Your money perish with you. So I was, Oh, there's a mystery. And I entered the heavens and I saw and this and that and this. Don't, don't worry yourself over those things. You are wasting your time. You have been given 66 books. 66 books to study to understand your work with God. Focus on it. So last week, that's what we looked at. We want to continue on the price for stewardship. 
There is a price to pay for stewardship. So let's read that scripture. Colossians chapter 1 from the verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we want to look at the price for stewardship. And the first price we see that as a steward you must pay is that you must surrender. In the verse 24 to 26, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. He became. He was not. But he had to become. In order for you to become a steward of God, you must surrender. There is no steward who does not walk in surrendering. Who does not walk in surrender. For you to become a steward, you must surrender. He said, I became. I was not. But I had to become. I was something else. I was something else. Who was I? I was the one who was persecuting the church. Who was I? I was the one who was killing people who were preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Who was I? I was the one who was always on the lookout. Trying to destroy the church. But today I have become. I have become a steward. I have become a minister. I've become somebody who is preaching to you that Christ in you the hope of glory. And the only way you can become that steward that God has called you to be is that you must surrender. Paul had to surrender when he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus appeared to him. He said, Paul, Paul, why, so, so, why are you persecuting me? That we speaking. I am the Lord. Immediately, he surrendered. He left everything. And for you to know that Paul surrendered his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. This is Paul writing. Paul is saying that, Jesus died for us. And because Jesus died for us, those of us who live should no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us and rose again. So the life that we live 
we live for Jesus. That's the life, that's a surrendered life. And the reason many of us are unable to become stewards of the mysteries of Christ, the reason many of us are unable to hold on to the word of God and proclaim it to a generation that is perishing, a generation that is unbelieving, a generation that is walking in ignorance is because we want to live for ourselves. Can I hear me? If I ask you right now, what are your plans for the year? What are your plans for the year? Oh, I want to start my business, you know. If you've not started your business, you say, I need funding. If you have started your business, you say, I want to expand my business. If you're in school, what are your plans? Oh, I want to finish school and get a good job. Praise the Lord. If you are, if you are done with school, I'm looking for a great job. And then I'll marry and I'll give birth. And then we'll live happily ever after. Praise the Lord. What are your plans, Charlie? I have to build a house. That dream house. What are your plans? I need that car. You see, I go drive my friend in G-Wagon. The way the thing they move, Charlie, I have to move the right song. What are your plans? Nothing about surrendering your life to the advancement, for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you are living for yourself. You are living thinking about how you are going to pay the next school fees. I'm not saying that uh, the payment of school fees is not real. It is real. Praise the Lord. It is, it is real. I'm not saying your rent is not real. It is real. The rent is due is real. It's real. But you see, that should not be the only thing that occupies your heart and your mind. And for many people, the reason we even walk into the auditorium to come to church is so that some of these things we believe that will be resolved in our lives. Sometimes when people are worshipping and they are crying, don't think that they love God. Oh. <laughs> that person is worshipping and crying because the moment he or she lives here, the rent, the rent, you know, eradie, 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 with their one bar. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sometimes when you see people jumping and shouting, don't think that it's because they love God. It is because there's an alert on the phone. He saw that he said, Hey, <laughs> Baba God, do him again. You see, so we come with our struggles, with our issues, and we always want God to solve them for us. But Paul is telling us that we who live should no longer live for ourselves, we live for Jesus. And if you are living for Jesus, then you have to surrender and know in your heart and in your mind that everything about you belongs to him. And if, you, if everything about you belongs to him, then you must be in the position to be the steward who is advancing his course. Ask yourself, we have just about four months to the end of the year. How have you advanced the course of Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. 
When I said we have just about four months, somebody said, oh, real? Yes, it's real. We are about to do the last quarter. But we are already in the last quarter. Then three months. Then by the end of this year, October, November, December, we are about to do the last quarter. I even said four months. This month is ending this week. Then we enter October, November, December. What have you done as a steward to advance the cause of the gospel? Paul is saying that I became, I had to surrender. In Romans chapter 14 verse 7, he says, For none of us lives to himself. And no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Praise the Lord. You know, this scripture, I have observed that the only time Christians quote this scripture is when somebody dies. I'm saying that I have observed that the only time Christians quote this scripture is when somebody dies. When somebody dies, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Amen. So the Christian who is dead, he is the Lord. We use the scripture to comfort ourselves. Truth. 100%. Excellent. If there's something above excellent, it is. Amen. But you see, he says, for this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. He is the Lord of both the dead and the living. So the living, he is the Lord. Amen. Are you here with me? And he says in the verse 7, none of us lives to himself. And no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we are living, then we are living to the Lord. If we are living, then we are surrendering ourselves to the Lord. If we are living, then we are living a life of total surrender unto the Lord. That's what he's saying. We don't live for ourselves. He says, we don't live for ourselves. We live to the Lord. And as a steward, you need to ask yourself, who are you living for? Unfortunately, many of us are living for other things. Some of us are living for Chatawali. Others are living for Stone Boy. Some of you are living for Manchester United. Others are living for Arsenal. Some are living for politics, NDC, MPP. The same people who never speak to somebody about Jesus Christ will go at length to convince people to vote against or vote for a certain political party. The same people who will never do anything in the house of God will find themselves doing something this Friday, there was a football match. 
Traffic in town. Everywhere was stopped. Everybody was running home early to go and watch the game. Let's do Sunday service. Let's do Friday night service. Seven o'clock. That game was six o'clock or six thirty. Six thirty. People were running to go home. This guy closed his shop. <laughs> but Friday night, let's do a service at seven o'clock. Those old pastors too early. When I I'll close from work around five five thirty. By the time I'll come, you know, let's shift it to eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Praise the Lord. Oh, I said praise the Lord. We live for other things. We are not living for the Lord because we are not living a surrendered life. You are not living a life that says that I want to become whom Christ has called me to, to be. I say, I want to become like Shatawale. That's, 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 that's the picture of who you want to become. That's a, I, I don't need to talk to you. I just need to walk into your room. I just need to see your phone. And I'll see whether you're living for Christ or not. I, I don't need to talk a lot. It's just by observation. Because you have surrendered your all. Telling me this guy there, when he sing, when he sing, then my body they do me something. Meanwhile, these same people, when they come to church after the band have rehearsed, rehearsed, and they are leading worship, they'll be standing there. They'll just be watching. There were some guys who, I don't want to mention their names. When they come to church, they are always standing. Sometimes I'm at the back, I'll, I'll tell the ushers, Charlie, Richard, go and tell him to move his body small. They'll be standing. When we did the Champions League screening game here, Three of the boys are always forced to, to do something in church. Just three of them was in the office. They were arguing. Everybody, the whole day, everybody could hear them. Some of them even lost their voice. See? Who are you living for? Who are you living for? For you to become, you must surrender. You must surrender your life to the Lord. The second thing, the second price you pay is that you have to labor. In the verse 29 of Colossians chapter 1, he says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. Now, the word to labor means to grow weary, to get tired, to be exhausted, with a burden praise the lord so he says that to this end i am exhausted i have a burden i have a burden in my heart it's like when jesus says come to me all you who labor and are weary and i'll give you rest in the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In other words, there is tiredness. There is a price of tiredness you must pay as a steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you cannot be tired without working. So, when you labor, you work. 
when you labor you are working there is effort at work praise the lord many believers are not working we are not working believers we are lazy believers and as a steward you have to labor process for to this end i labor i labor i labor so in revelation chapter 2 from the verse 2 jesus was writing to the church in ephesus look at what he says he says i know your works your labor i know your works your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary he says you have labored for my name's sake jesus is writing to a church and he's writing to them and he said that you this church i know you i know your works how you labor and you don't just labor you labor for my name's sake you work hard for my name today if jesus is writing to you what will he say will he say you have worked hard for my name's sake or you have been lazy how can the kingdom advance when all of us have the attitude you have no laboring no working always sitting down lazy always complaining he said i labor for to this end i labor i work hard i work hard there's no hard work in the church today there's no hard work there's no hard work there's no hard work all we want is comfort there's no hard work the hard work is to is to advance our pockets our hard work is to advance our pockets our hard work is to give us nice houses nice cars nice dresses nice shoes amen nice wives nice husbands hollywood has become our point our dreams is to become the things we watch in hollywood movies it is not what christ has painted for us to do in the gospel says i labor and he was writing to them he says you this church i know you you labor for my name's sake my name that my name will be exalted i pray for you today that you will labor that christ's name will be exalted you are not laboring in prayer you are not laboring in the study of the what he's telling us is that there is suffering that comes you are coming to church you don't have money but you will come because you come and study the word you are suffering amen the sun is shining it's up high but you are suffering to preach the gospel all is not well with you but you are suffering in order that the name of jesus will be lifted i pray that you and i will have a renewed mind to labor for the name of jesus christ in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 it says it says but by the grace of god i am what i am by his grace toward me and his grace toward me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly 
than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. <laughs> he says, there is a grace at work in me, but I labored more than everybody, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Paul is saying that there is a grace at work in my life. And beyond that grace, I work hard. And he, he was able to say that I labor more than they all. Can you imagine? He says, I work hard more than they all. Yet it is not I, but the grace of God, which is in me. In other words, when you position yourself to work hard for the advancement of the kingdom, you will appreciate the grace of God more. I want to say it again. When you position yourself to work hard for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, when you position yourself to work hard as a steward, you will appreciate the grace of God more. Because you get to the point where you realize that, ah, this thing cry I am doing, there is something beyond me that is working in my life. There is something that is not me. Something has taken over me, which is the grace of God. What happens is that many of us are lazy. We are lazy. We are just lazy. Lazy Christians today, not, working, not wanting to be stewards that God has called us to be. It says, I labor than they all. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 4. It says, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience in tribulation in needs in distress in stripes in imprisonment in tumult in labors in sleeplessness in fasting we went through all be it stripes be it imprisonment be it tribulations be it sleeplessness be it fastings be it laboring hard work all for the kingdom i want to ask yourself are you are you working hard for the kingdom are you, are you can you respond to god and say lord i am laboring for your kingdom can you give god this kind of response that lord i have labored for your kingdom Yet not I, but your grace which works in me. No. Even your labor, that you can say you labor, is for your benefit. When we say you are a prayerful person, it's because you are praying for your needs. When we say you are, this guy, he's audacious, he's prayerful. Hey, he can pray, he can pray. Go and listen to the prayer he's praying. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. I receive, I declare, I pray claim i possess favor on every side in the name of jesus breakthrough that's all it's not about that souls will be saved it's not that 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 the generations that are walking in ignorance their eyes will be open mind you he's saying that this mystery has been hidden from people and so i labor to reveal it more for them so your laboring must be to reveal that Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is what we are to labor for in the kingdom of God. 
Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a born servant of Jesus, greet you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He says he's laboring for you. How? In prayers. In prayers. Labor in prayers. Suffer in prayers. You are praying. Some of us, even when we come to church in the morning, the short morning prayer that Sami comes here to pray, cry like, Charlie, hurry up, hurry up. Hurry up, make we sing. Hurry up, make we sing. Praise the Lord. May the Lord have mercy on us. <laughs> he says, this guy is laboring. He's working hard in prayer. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures to show you that as believers, there's room for us to labor, to work hard for the Lord. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. He said, for you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to you in any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Listen to me, child of God. There's a place for you to labor to preach the gospel. We, that we must see hard work in the church of God. As stewards, as people that God has given the opportunity to understand his word, to understand Christ in you, the hope of glory, we must begin to work hard. The next point, the next price to pay, is the price of suffering. As a steward, you will suffer. <laughs> the verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Listen to me. If you are a child of God who is focused on being the steward of the mysteries of God, there is a level of suffering that will come to you. Paul was preaching the gospel. Remember I told you that Colossians is one of the epistles we call the prison epistles of, of Paul. He wrote it when he was in prison. This church, he had never seen them before. He was not the person who found the church. But he wrote it to them whilst in prison. Why was he in prison? He was in prison because he was laboring for God. He was preaching the gospel. And the people didn't like it. So they arrested him and put him in prison. He was not in prison because he went to steal somebody, kill it, it. No. He was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. And so as a believer, there are certain kinds of sufferings that will come to you. Not because of your family background. Not because of your mother's side and your father's side. Not because of your ancestors. But because you are preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. And true stewards understand the sufferings that come with the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until you begin to exhibit the life of a steward, you will not understand what it means to be going through suffering for Jesus Christ. So anybody who tells you that when you come to Jesus, everything is smooth. Your life will be better. Everything will be well with you. That person is not a steward. 
A steward of the gospel will tell you that there is a level of suffering you will go through when you preach the word of God. In Acts chapter 5 verse 41, the Bible says that, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The apostles, they were suffering shame. They were arrested. They were being questioned. All kinds of things were being done to them because they were preaching Jesus. They did not complain. They rejoiced that they had to suffer shame for his name. Today, Christians don't want to suffer shame for his name. We want our reputation intact. A good name is better than riches. And and that's what happens to many of us. We just don't want to do things for God because it comes with suffering. It comes with pain. It comes with a hurt. It comes with a dent on your name. On your name. So you don't want to. All your friends are doing it. You know that it is not right. But you cannot say no. Why? Because if you say no, they say, Udia Just because you don't want your friends to say, Udia So everybody is going, so you are going. See, you don't want to suffer. You don't want to suffer. May the Lord have mercy on us. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for, for, for you Gentiles. He called himself a prisoner in two ways. He was a prisoner as in arrested by Jesus Christ and a prisoner as in physically he was in prison when he wrote this episode. He was in pri- He said, I've accepted. I'm a prisoner. Whatever you want to do, do! I've accepted. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm not a prisoner of of the council. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You have held me. You have put me in prison. You think you are the one putting me in prison. No. I'm not your prisoner. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. May the Lord, has, may the Lord grant us grace. That we will accept to be prisoners of Jesus Christ. We will suffer for Jesus Christ. And, and the prison those days is not the Sawam you are seeing today. In Sawam we say Sawam is a mess. People are sleeping. They are partners. Those days the in Sawan prison is better than those days. The kind of beatings, the chains. Read the book of Acts. They were in prison. They were held in chains until they began worshiping. And God miraculously broke the chains, broke the door, the prison door, and asked them to walk through. Which prisoners do we put in chains? So when he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he says, I'm ready to go through the suffering and the pain. The final point on stewardship is the product of stewardship. When we pay the price, what does it produce in us? When we respond to the need of stewardship, when we understand the purpose of stewardship, and we respond. What does it produce in us? Number one, a focus on Christ alone. A true steward produces a focus on Christ alone. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, he says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Him we preach. Jesus we preach. Christ 
alone we preach. Jesus becomes the focus. Knowing somebody who has gone through the process of stewardship, the first thing is that that person focuses on Jesus and Jesus alone. It says, him we preach. And as Christians, the person we are to preach is Jesus. Not your cars, not your money, not your business. Jesus, not your problems. We are not to preach demons. We are to preach Jesus, him alone. Somebody came to me and said, ah, pastor, you, so you, when you preach, every time you preach, Jesus, 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 Jesus so no demon, no this, no, I say, yes, him we preach, Jesus. We don't have anything else to preach but Jesus. You cannot add, you cannot subtract. The focus is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why I tell you guys, when you go out, don't go and preach to somebody that come, come to church. Your life will become better. Who told you? Some people coming to Christ means that their life will become worse. To become worse. And that's their price to pay. Till they die, their life will be worse. Yes, it's coming from me. I'm a pastor of Jesus Christ. I'm saying that some people, when they come to Christ, their life becomes worse. You think Paul was not a free man? You think Paul was not enjoying himself? When he was Saul, was a great guy. He went for a letter to go and destroy the churches. He was rising in the, in the army. Solid guy. In fact, when Stephen was going to be stoned, he was the one who supervised it. He supervised the stoning of, of Stephen live. They stoned him to death. Stephen was preaching. He said, get out. Stone him. They stoned him. Paul was the one who supervised it. Was a free man, but now he calls himself a prisoner. <laughs> when he gave his life to Christ, he became a prisoner. The, the beatings, it says, beatings 40 minus 1. In the book of Philippians, that's how he describes it. It says, in beatings 40 minus 1. You could have just said 39. But see, when they beat you and it passes through your head, when you have to mention, a whole number you to you to become an equation for you 40 minus one it's in your bible it's in the bible <laughs> they beat him every man they locked him up in prisons his own people he was working with the roman army they knew him they put him in cells how because he became a christian You just read it. He says in fastings. Yes. Four, is that what? From the Jews. Five times. Receive 40 stripes minus one. <laughs> you see your Bible. 2 Corinthians 11. 20. Five times he received it. 40 minus one. So five times he got 39 lashes. <laughs> yes. He, he was suffering. He had to fast by force. Tribulation. So, some people, the moment they become Christians, that's when troubles begin. Yeah. Jesus said it. When he gave the parable of the, of the sower who went to sow. So some fell, by the way, some fell on a rocky ground, some fell in thorns, and some fell on the good soil. 
The one that fell by the wayside, he said, the devil comes to steal the word away. The one that fell in on the rocky ground. Let me leave that one. The, the one that fell in thorns, he said, oh, as for them, they are a bit established. Then the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches comes, and then they give away. The one that fell on the good ground, he said, it bears fruit. The one that fell on the rocky ground, he said, as for them, the word comes, they believe. Persecution arises because of the word. He said, persecution arises because of the word. So, there is a level of persecution you go through as you discover the word of God. And he said, when that persecution arises because they have no root, then they fall. So, whoever told you that when you become a Christian, all shall be well with you, has not spoken to you about the gospel yet. Even by knowing the word of God, the word of God in itself brings persecution. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for when tribulation and persecution arises because of what? Because of what? Oh, because of what? Immediately he stumbled. So the word produces persecution. So stop telling people when you come to Christ, all shall be well. There is suffering. Amen. Sometimes you can pray for he, Paul, he went to God, he prayed three times that God will heal him. God looked at him. God said, I'm not taking it away. <laughs> My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God didn't heal him. He said, My grace is sufficient. In other words, I'll give you grace to suffer more. When you are in the suffering, you will have grace not to give up. But to suffer. That's the real Christianity. So when you become a steward, you know that there is, there is a certain level of suffering you go through. Praise the Lord. Some of the suffering you are blaming your grandmother. You are blaming somebody who is a witch. You are blaming your mother's side, your father's side. It has nothing to do with anything. It is just because you have become a Christian and you know the word of God. So when you are focused on Christ and Christ alone, then you know that you are growing in the stewardship of Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes our focus. Nothing more, nothing less. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The Bible says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame in his name. Verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Every day after they suffered, they were preaching Jesus. Their focus was Jesus. A true steward focuses on Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22, he said, For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. Amen. It's like today, there are two groups of Christians. There are the ones that are seeking a sign, miracles, signs, wonders. 
There are people who want to come and they do power of the Holy Ghost and people fall. Yay! They seek a sign. There are others who seek wisdom. Wisdom. And their wisdom is not wisdom of God, wisdom of men. They come to church so that they, they get something that can help them become good in their workplace, in their family life, and all kinds of things. So you see that we have turned our pastors into motivational speakers. The only difference between the pastor and Brian Tracy is that one is called Reverend and the other is called Brian Tracy. The difference between the pastor and Jim Rohn is that <laughs> one is called a pastor, he has a congregation. Jim Rohn is just somebody who is giving motivational messages. Can I hear an amen? So there are two groups. Those who are looking for power and those who are looking for wisdom. And in all this, there's no Christ. There's no Christ. But he says, but we preach Christ and him crucified to the Jews. A stumbling block to the Greeks. Foolishness. But to those who are being saved, both Greek and Jew, the power of God. The power of God. Until you know that preaching Jesus is the power of God, you have not become that steward yet. And that's why many of us are not still. We don't know that the word of God is powerful. We don't know that Jesus, preaching Jesus through his word, there is power that transforms you. And that transformation is permanent. When you have been transformed through the word of God by the power of Jesus, that transformation is permanent. Nobody can take it away from you. It settles. And when it settles, it settles permanently. So we preach Christ. What are we supposed to preach? Jesus. Don't go and preach when I became a Christian. Look at my life. I was poor. Yes, Christ transforms lives. That's not what I'm saying. You, you can tell that I used to be in evil. But now, as I became a Christian by the power of Christ, my life has been transformed. Yes. But don't go and say that I used to be poor. Now I am rich. Who told you that? In the last was it last two weeks or last three weeks? I was telling somebody that that's, that thing we sing is not even in the Bible. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. It's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is let the weak say I am strong. Finish. We added let the poor say I am rich. It's, it's let the weak say. I'm strong. That's the only thing the Bible says. He never said, let the poor say, I'm rich. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Stop telling people that when I became a Christian, then, hey, preach Jesus. That's what we need. Your three things. Beat your plushes into swords and your pruning hooks into spurs. Let the weak say, I am strong. Go to the next verse. Is that let the poor say, I'm rich then? Don't moan. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am Because our mindset about Christianity is prosperity, 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 prosperity. May the Lord deliver us. I said, may the Lord deliver us. Yeah. Your focus becomes Christ alone. 
Final one is that you will be matured. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. It says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Perfect, matured in Christ. That you will grow in Christ. When you become a steward, who is willing to surrender? Who is willing to focus on Jesus? Who is willing to go through the pain and the sufferings? Who is willing to labor? You will grow. You will mature in the things of God. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, final scripture, verse, 30, verse 12, it says, for, for the equipping of, verse 11 talks about how he gave apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and the rest, verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Till we come to the measure, to a perfect man, matured believers. God is looking for matured believers. You have to grow. Many Christians are not growing. We are not growing. Because our focus is not Jesus. Because we don't want to labor. Because we don't want to go through the sufferings. Because we do not want to surrender. But as a steward, when you surrender, you labor. And you go through the suffering. You will grow. You will mature. So that suffering you are running away from. You are praying away, away. You are praying it away. You are praying away your maturity. You don't want to labor. Your laziness will not let you grow in the things of God. You don't want to focus on Jesus. That is why you will always depend on men of God. When you hear there's a prophet here, you are running. When you hear there's another one, you are here. When you hear there's an apostle here, evangelist. Every day you are running, chasing, moving from. Because you are not able to study the word yourself. Grow, understand what it is. I pray for you that you will grow. That you mature. And that you will commit yourself to laboring for God, to surrendering to God. You will tell God, I am yours. Whatever you want to do with me for your kingdom, whatever you want to do with me for your church, whatever you want to do with me, Lord, use me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week with Pastor Mauli Chikata. For more information, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244-010863 to get in touch with our ministry.